Flash Report. Long time no see, I know. But um, we're thrilled to be back here with you again. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. How are you doing? Awesome, as per usual. She actually scared the shit out of me today, guys, because when we opened the sky window, Lady was wearing lipstick and earrings, which, let me tell you, that's some harlot action for MK. <laughs> that is some lady of the night business happening on the other end here. I, I went grocery shopping and I had to run errands. You had to look like a tart for it, MK? Is that what you're telling me? I don't look like a tart. I look like <laughs> a, a respectable young woman that they might want to give a discount to. <laughs> oh my god, sex appeal to get cheap groceries. There's nothing wrong with that. No, of course not. Not at all. I have not a budget. <laughs> Vagina budget. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving <laughs> We're going to have to already right, say guys. we have to end this. <laughs> we can't end this like less than two minutes in. Um, all right, guys. It's December. It's cold. Some places it's cold. It's time for a year under, a recapper, a roundup. What do you say, MK? Let's talk about the best and the worst. Let's talk about the best and the worst. And we have a ton of questions from the last couple of weeks that we've had backlogged. And some fairly horrifying strong like ox entries. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that are that are worth discussion. And by discussion I mean I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna judge silently. And I'll share this moment of sadness together. I don't if know we if the judging the judging might not be so silent. It might be pretty vulnerable. I know, but like but the morning will be collective in like a spiritual internet drum circle of pain. Like we'll all share that together and we'll disperse it into the great wilderness. I think that was an episode of Sailor Moon. Why do you ruin everything? And it was definitely an episode of Doctor Who. Why do you, like, take everything <laughs> that I love and, like, ruin it? Seriously. So you're you're fucking talking cats and your <laughs> stupid TARDISes. You love circles of pain, and I've ruined them for you. Of course I <laughs> Does it make any sense that I'm the person I am if I didn't love circles of pain? Probably not. <laughs> See? Hmm. Tragedy. I know, right? It's really sad, actually. <laughs> All right, let, let's kick this off with what do you say was the best show of the year for you, MK? Ooh, the best show of the year. You know, honestly, Sherlock. That was this year, right? Which is, I don't know, was it? God, I can't, did I watch it when I was at your place in the new year? I think you did. I don't know that it was this year. Oh, crap. Okay, well, if it's not Sherlock, then it would be Blue Bloods, actually. Really? Yeah, because... Dark Horse... I know nobody watches Blue Bloods and it might get canceled and it's like just me and my boss watching it it's really sad <laughs> but like, Blue Bloods was a show that did okay it doesn't matter what the premise of your show is or how great your characters are like please make your show great and your premise great and your characters great but the thing that always gets me is when people are like here is a story we are going to do the full story and it's going to be like beginning middle end one season done and yeah. blue bloods did that really well i'm just i'm really weak to that action i just want like i hate it when you're watching a show and like six seasons later they've gone into some ridiculous tangent they basically <laughs> like pull a lost and fast bender it like or house or house. house was the worst fast bendering i've ever seen on television right so imagine if house had been like a two season show that had been plotted from the very beginning oh stop i just make that just makes me want to touch myself in a sexual manner exactly so blue bloods was like fuck all this noise where like shit goes off the rails and someone drives a car into your house let's just make a conspiracy theory like cop drama 24 episodes do it and they did now be honest do you think our spanish compatriots would actually like this series yeah you know what i didn't think i would like it going in mm -hmm. i watch a lot of crime dramas i'm, I'm yes, used to them too. 
but I thought that this would be really bad despite my love for Magnum P.I. Because I was like, oh, why would I want to watch a show that's about a family of cops? That sounds really boring. It's actually right. like, you know, like in The Good Wife, how they have all the actual family issues that aren't bullshitty? They, yes. They have that. Like it's... They're a big, stupid Catholic family, and, like, they always have Sunday dinner no matter what's happening. Like, the whole family, they all go to the dad's house. And, like, there's issues with the kids, and, like, this cop is working too much, and his wife isn't super happy about it. And, like, all through the whole thing, there's this this beautiful, continuous storyline. So... If you like a mystery and some suspense and action and then like good character development in the background, Blue Bloods is actually amazing. You don't have to watch season two. You can just watch season one and it's great. Okay, cool. I mean, we've already name checked my best show of the year and I have a suspicion that, you know, however many years it's on, it may be my best show in perpetuity, which is The Good Wife, which I mean, like I've talked a lot about why I love The Good Wife on this podcast already, but just to reiterate, amazingly smart writing really interesting characters, female orgasms, all things that fandom is into. Let's do this, guys. Let's make it happen. It's pretty great. Uh, it's super great. It's it's pretty super great. All right. So from the good to the bad, worst show of the year. Oh, God. Show they do like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I still watching this? Bones. You know. Really? Yeah. I'm still watching Bones. I still watching Yeah. And I'm probably one of the few people, and I don't know why I do this to myself, but... Okay, I have a long, long-standing problem with Bones, which is I loved the first season, maybe the first two seasons. Like, those were really good. Really good. I loved everyone. Everything was great. Uh, and then we had the writer's strike, <laughs> and two things simultaneously <laughs> happened. They killed off my favorite character, Zack, who was like... In the stupidest plot line in the history of time. Right. And because they didn't have enough episodes, they were just kind of like, oh, P.S., he worked with a serial killer, like, gone forever. And you're like, <laughs> um, I don't think anyone believes that. Like, nobody watching the show thought that made sense. Nobody. No. And it, it wasn't like no. good writing you offended people. It was like everyone in the world, even people who can't spell, were like, that is shit writing. That's a problem. <laughs> And the other thing that happened is that they made all of the characters go back like six years in character development to how they probably acted before the show started. And they never recovered from that. So, you know, while I continued watching because I love crime dramas and I was weirdly invested in Booth and Brennan getting together. Spoilers, guys. Like, massive spoilers. They've gotten together. <laughs> it was the least satisfying get-together I've ever seen. And from a one-night stand, basically, like the first night of their relationship, Bones gets pregnant. Like, super Look, pregnant. ultra-fertile. Yeah. Booth is super fertile, and Bones is super pregnant. And this is the season in which she's, like, pregnant and being weird, and they're not married yet, and they're, like, kind of living together, but not really. And it's garbage. It's, like, everything I wanted, and it's garbage. <laughs> it's like someone gave me a chocolate bar that was dairy-free. She's saying this to you guys, because as we're recording this, I'm eating a vegan chocolate bar. What a waste! It's not a waste. It's good! It's like how if you have, like, a soy latte, it has a different taste than if you had a regular latte. It's I know, much I know. complex and earthy and interesting. I don't ingest your soy products. You can't, you can't replace okay. cow with vegetables. This chocolate is actually called moo-free chocolate. It's made with rice milk. It's like uh, everything I hate. And everything on the cover says free cows now. 
So we're basically liberating cows to create more methane while we take rice milk and make chocolate with it. I hate everything about it, much as I hate everything about this season of bones. Well, (laughs) nice. I'm really glad I didn't pick up watching this. I was really tempted, though. Like, I was really, really tempted because I heard that they had handled the breakup with the 12-year-old reporter well they did over yeah um i was like i'm tempted to come back for that and then they said that they were going to knock up brennan and i was like well since my primary interest in life is babies like i was really tempted to go back but not given everything you've told me yeah i don't recommend watching it but points in its favor are definitely angela and hodgins who are like still amazing and now have a baby and like they're like the greatest parents ever they're so cute and so fucked up and her dad is amazing Because the guy from ZZ Top comes back and he's like, I want to babysit your kid. And they're like, no, that is the worst idea ever. (laughs) And he is the greatest babysitter of all time. Like that episode was actually really good. I believe that he is. I mean, he made Angela. How could he not be a good babysitter? Exactly. So like you obviously trust anyone who makes Angela. Right. So I like them and I like sweets. Well, sweets I don't like Sweets' girlfriend, Daisy. She's crazy. And I just don't care about anyone else on the show anymore. I'm like, yeah, those people. Nice. Are you still going to watch it next season? Probably. Good. I'm glad that you've learned your lesson from this. <laughs> so my first show of the year, which will be no surprise, I have actually two. One is an honorary mention, especially since I didn't actually watch it. Um, but I'm going to give it to it anyways, because it deserves any scorn I heap upon it. Number one is going to be obvious, fucking Hawaii Five-0, right? Like, I love it so much. I know. But it's this is a show where like I rue every single second of my life that I spend watching this show. <laughs> actually seen any episodes after steve air rescued a guy out of the fucking helicopter i was like no that is it never again that was the marker of just getting better all the time yeah but here's the deal right like i've totally downloaded the episodes and i'm gonna like end up watching it out of complete like (laughs) i have a 12 hour flight coming up in like a week and a half i was gonna gonna say you're gonna be on a plane you're definitely gonna watch h5o i'm gonna be trapped i'm gonna end up i'm definitely gonna end up watching that i'm gonna end up watching that and i'm gonna end up writing like who the fuck knows what I feel sorry for the people sitting on either side of me already on this flight (laughs) so that show is terrible and sucks and hasn't seemed to learn from its errors and continues to be a complete like woo I'm 14 I can fuck anything and blow anything up fast and it has zero restraint and I hate it with every fiber of my being right love it but the other show that absolutely deserves any scorn I heap upon it is fucking Smallville, which finally ended this year. I'm after- sorry, that was still running? Yes! <laughs> I thought that ended like six years ago. No, it just ended this year. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> Who was watching that show? What kind of sucker tuned into Smallville? Ten years the show was on the air. Oh. Cupid, the original Cupid with Jeremy Piven was canceled in a season and a half sports night got two seasons but fucking (laughs) smallville was on for 10 seasons slow clap like i can't like i can't process this i just like i'm so angry on behalf of television (laughs) and humans you should be you should be furious that is amazing and also like i have just lost some of my faith in humanity (laughs) oh that's 
one small little crew, I salute you on being one of the most long-running television shows probably ever. And for being absolute garbage. Like, absolute garbage <laughs> from beginning to end. You lost the only interesting part of your show, like, in season four. And somehow <laughs> you managed to keep going. Like, what the what the actual fuck? I completely, I also mostly forgot that the show was still on. But then someone was like, it's series finale time. The show is finally ending. And I was like, wait a minute. The show is actually running? Yeah. <laughs> Did- Has Clark been Superman yet? No. No? Has he flown? No. Does, has he worn the suit yet? No. Are you serious? Ten fucking years. I think they did it all in the final episode. Like, I, I, there's not a level of drunk plus conscious that I could reach that would allow me to watch that show, the final episode. But, like, part of me is actually morbidly curious. Okay, so here's the thing. Yes. People make fun of me because... I am a big fan of the new adventures of Superman, like Lois and Clark. Okay? No one should make fun for that. That show was awesome. Right. Lois and Clark was amazing. Here's what Smallville should have done before making Smallville. They should have watched the first two seasons and one episode of season three of Lois and Clark. And then they would have known that in the first episode, what you do is he gets superpowers, he meets Lois Lane, and then he puts on the suit and like flies and saves some people. That's how you do the first episode of any Superman show. I'm sorry. Those are the rules. No, no, no. But see, to be fair, like the fundamental premise of Smallville was not that, right? Like the fundamental premise was supposed to be Clark as a teenager coming into his powers and the epic man pain that comes from the fact that his best friend in the world is Lex Luthor and how it's supposed to be slow, grind like epic of Gilgamesh tale that leads them to them being mortal DC enemies and instead what did we get it was like rubbing feces all over my soul everything that you just said is why I have never watched an episode of Smallville I wanted it so bad Emily I remember seeing the commercials and being like fuck you that's not Lois and Clark like little high school me was like "Mm -mm, bitch no you didn't no, but like, see, when they originally started talking about this series, like, what did they do? What did your cats do? <laughs> that was just Watson failing in the hallway by himself. Okay, alone. Good. I was like, what did they break? Nothing. Um, no, but when they originally started talking about the, the concept of the series, like, I really like coming of age stories, right? Like, I like origin stories. I like I like knowing what layers a person into their grown up self. And I really liked the idea that there was a point at which Lex Luthor could have been good, right? And for a while, they set that trajectory up very well. And you have like really charismatic actors for a fucking CW show, right? Like, this sure. is not ever going to be a great series. You had really charismatic actors for a CW show. And frankly, it was slashy as hell, and I really enjoyed that. But it went completely off the rail. Anyway, the point is, the show went on for, like, fucking ten seasons, and so it just ended this year. Honorary mention for worst show of the year, even though I didn't even watch it. All right, well, if we're going to do that, I think we should also talk about best and worst season openers. Oh, man, that's hard. Uh, my answer would be really easy. Worst season opener? Castle. For, like, the show <laughs> that we were the most excited about, that opening episode was garbage. We hated it so much. I still remember when you talked about it on this and we hated it so much. Yeah, and my feelings remain unchanged. I've watched a lot of TV this year. Castle still wins for worst opening. Like, after that, it returned to being great. But why would you make the first episode of your season shit? You put that episode somewhere in the middle, guys. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but, like, the whole, the problem is that they had to, like, sort of wrap up a shitty emotional arc that they had built, but that they wrote themselves into a corner. That's their fault. It was the best season opener then oh best season opener and we can't pick a pilot because otherwise you would want to say suits 
I would say fringe. Ooh, I don't actually think I would go with that. Really? What would you go with? Because <clears throat> I likes it, but I don't know if I loved it. I mean, like, <laughs> I would go with Good Wife season opener. That one was pretty good. I don't know if it was my favorite. Wait, I have Why? Because there was sex. <laughs> <laughs> You're so easy. I'm so easy. Like, so amazingly easy. <gasps> no, wait. You know what? I've changed my mind. Merlin. Okay. Oh, agreed. Okay, I changed my mind, too. It was Merlin. It was totally Merlin. It I... tricked us so hardcore. I still have only watched two episodes of this season because I need to just set aside time to cry. Like, that's the only way that I'm going to make it through the rest of Merlin is by, like, I can't see anyone this weekend. I have to cry for 48 hours. (laughs) It's going to be really tragic. Yeah, episode three is going to start you off on a bad path. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, MK, want to come to a party? No. What are you doing? Crying. Just crying alone in the corner in front of my TV about fictional characters. Family programming. Yeah. About family programming aimed at like 12 year olds. Okay, so those were the best and worst shows and a lot of our tangential feelings. But what was the best fic? 2010 for you my favorite for the year would have to be saving the world and other extreme sports which is my favorite primeval story of all time which is um the greatest primeval not the greatest primeval episode but one of the greatest primeval episodes involves um connor having nowhere to live because abby kicks him out because her brother is coming to stay with her for a while and so he lives like in their government facility for a while before he gets caught by their boss who is like a very posh upper class man who is like so strict and like his place is so clean and perfect and he's like fine you can't live here you can stay with me I'm cordoning off an area of my living room with like caution tape and you are not allowed to step foot outside of that except for leaving the apartment like (laughs) it's an amazing episode of primeval but the best part of that is I would actually do that of course you would most people would treat your place like garbage uh yes they do but all of my friends who come are over and you have noted this before too live in fear of doing something to my couches rightfully so well those couches are amazing yes and i would also murder you to death if they if people ruined my couches yeah but the point is this story is like for something that was not a problem in the show a fix in which instead of staying with Lester, their boss, Connor goes and stays with Becker instead, who is like the hot military team leader who P.S. is super hot. <laughs> I don't know how better- She had a crazy look when she said that, guys, <laughs> just to let you know. He's so hot. Like, wait, okay, if you've ever super watched- crazy. Listen, if you've ever watched the first season Merlin DVDs, and you remember there's an extra feature in which- Uh, Bradley James encounters some people playing frisbee who are also in like a different filming whatever. There's like a hot dude in a military like Stargate Atlantis style outfit. That is Captain Becker from Primeval. You find strange people attractive though, MK. He's really attractive. It's you finish your fucking wreck, woman. Anyways, it's like, considering that that is the premise, it's like an epic, amazing, really long, really plotty, just beautiful, beautiful story, like full of feelings. You will love it. I'm sure people will. Okay, so my best story of 2010. I'm glad we just checked on this because this is one that I had been sitting in my wrecks as untitled, <laughs> but now it's finally got one. It's called As any she belied with false compare by Mez Miranda. And this is the genderfuck John Watson story that I have wrecked before and talked about before. It's still my favorite story of the year. It's one that I keep going back to because it's so delicately written and it's so rare that you find someone who's courageous enough as a female writer to totally hit the nail on the head, the way that you have such like a very, very awkward relationship with your own body, right? Like you love it, you hate it, it hates you. It 
that loves you, like you love the things that your body can do for you, but you hate the things that your body is to you. It's really strange. And it strikes that beautiful balance about Joanna Watson and herself and puts it in the context of what Sherlock feels about her. And it's just so beautifully done. It's like short, lovely, and absolutely everyone in Sherlock fandom should give it a shot. Even if you're not into gender fuck at all, like this is done. This is done exquisitely well and it's my best fic of 2010 it was totally my runner-up for best fic like that story yeah it's like what we were yeah (laughs) yeah we both encountered it like when we were discussing our favorites like i was like "Ooh, i'm gonna do this one and i was like damn it (laughs) so good so good no absolutely the wonderful it's my I'm gonna I'm gonna end up rereading it now after we finish recording. Of course you are. Of course I am. It's already open and prepped for that. Oh. Um okay, so that was best fic. Uh again, we're totally not doing worst fic, guys. No, on. it's not happening. Let's let's not chum the waters here. We can just call uh, that the strong like ox challenge. You guys have found the worst fic. We believe you. Yeah, no, we totally believe you. And there's one girl out there, we salute you because fish plus sex is like wow. Wow. Um wow. We like we tried to figure out how that would work for a while, but we'll we'll get back to that yeah later (laughs) um so then other best categories that we wanted to talk about were best uh get your tissues and cry episode merlin (laughs) i'm gonna say merlin for but for a different episode than you okay yo you've seen three episodes and i've seen two yes and i my best get your tissues and cry episode was definitely episode three Mine was episode two, but only because I haven't seen episode three yet. Episode three is going to destroy you. I told you, I just need 48 hours for crying. Like, that's all I can do. It's going to be really sad. Guys, I eagerly look forward to the series of emails that I'm going to get as she watches these episodes. It's just going to be, like, incoherent typing and keyboard smashing. (laughs) And just things like, oh, my feels. I can't hold them. So many feels. Yeah, that's so many feels. That's pretty much verbatim an email that you are going to receive in the new year. Have I'm you? completely prepared for that. I'm going to be in San Francisco. I'm going to be eating some chipino, and then I'm going to check my phone and like <laughs> explosion of feelings. Feelings yeah, bomb. Yeah, pretty much. Most dangerous bonds of all. Yeah. Okay, so then best homoeroticism. And we can't say Sherlock because it wasn't this year. I don't know. It's hard because you would say best. You would say Sherlock, but I wouldn't actually say that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you know what? Suits. Yeah, that's gonna be my choice too. Actually, it's like the feel-good homoeroticism of the year. Yeah, definitely. Like Suits came out of nowhere and like blew everybody else out of the gay ocean, right? <laughs> there was a gay ocean. Now there is Suits. Yeah, essentially. Suits just, like, came in, like, sat down with all its, like, giant homoerotic floaters and, like, kicked everybody else out of the pool. So amazing. I love it so much. I just, I keep rewatching that Uptown Girl Suits vid and being like, (laughs) I love you so much, Harvey. I love you so much. It's so good for me. (laughs) That was the email she sent me last week. I got to work at, like, some ludicrous hour of the morning in London. What was waiting for me? Uptown Girl. (laughs) I felt it was important to share that with you and with the hoiden. Clearly, obviously, that's the most important thing to let me know on a Monday morning. Breakfast of champions. So disagreed. Um, Okay, so after best homoeroticism, we have best lady pals. Rizzolian Isles. Hmm. They are the best of lady pals. You know, the best friend that when your boyfriend is too busy fighting a war in Iraq will go with you as your faux lesbian dates your high school reunion. 
right? Did that actually happen? Last week. Holy shit balls. There was a lot Are of- Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, and there was a lot of boob grabbing. It was amazing. Wait, am I actually going to have to watch Rizzoli and I? <laughs> I don't know, pal. It's up to you. Did they actually go as a couple? Yeah. You don't have to watch all of it. You could probably just watch last week and be like, that was amazing. I think I may actually have to do that, guys. <laughs> I may have to, like, BRB on the Slash Report and go watch your Tile fast. Holy crap! Yeah, it was a good time. I'm, I'm just going to spend the rest of today trying to wrap my mind around that. It's the second time that they have pretended to be lesbian girlfriends. What was the first? I need like a Rizzoli and Isles pretending to be lesbian girlfriends like playlist here. Okay, I don't know the exact episode number, but essentially <laughs> Jane's mom's car breaks down and they have to take it to a garage. And when they, it sounds like fan fiction, like it's already, <laughs> when they go to the garage, it turns out that the mechanic there is this guy that Jane grew up with who is dumb as a brick, like a brick made of shit. Okay, he's so dumb. <laughs> but she grew up with him, and her mom has, like, this dream that they will get together and, like, have beautiful Boston babies together. Naturally. And she's like, oh, God, no. But uh, her best friend, Mora, is like, you know what? He's really dumb, but he's also really beautiful. I kind of just want to bone him. And so she, like, goes on a date with him, and after the first date, he is like, you know, we're soulmates. And he keeps calling her, and, like, every, like, he's terrible he's so terrible and dumb and eventually by like the end of the episode they're like we can't be with you either of us because we're so in love with each other and we can't deny it anymore and they're like <laughs> like just wrapped around each other in his garage and he's like that is so hot and they're like yeah totally bye we gotta leave now yeah we have to leave can we have the car and he's like i still think you're my soulmate but this car is for you <laughs> like it's great you should totally watch it why did you not tell me this before because this would have pimped me into Rizzoli Nile so much more effectively than anything else anyone could have said i tried and you didn't listen to me yeah but you didn't tell me there was like explicit lesbianism basically Sorry, pal. Like, you know how I tell you that despite you hating Hawaii Five-O, everyone knows that in Hawaii Five-O, Steve and Danny are married? Yes. Rizzoli and Isles are way more married than Steve and Danny. Like, way more married. It's beautiful. Well, I've got nothing to do over break anyways, except for write things that I should have written already. So Visiting. maybe I'll watch Rizzoli and Isles instead. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my best lady pals is actually twofold, but from the same show. Um, Kalinda and Alicia, who remain best lady pals. And I hope, I hope, guys, that they become besties again. Me well, too. Stop hurting us like this because they love each other. And no one drinks with Alicia in bed the way that Kalinda drinks with Alicia in bed. I have really so strong, like, I need for them to be besties forever like they need yeah. to have like friendship necklaces or something like that's they need to like they need to share carrie like that is their job to like share carrie as a pet as besties um and the other half of this is alicia and celeste played by ex hut cuddy <laughs> on also the good wife because they were fucking hilarious as like drunk antagonistic lady friends i could not stop laughing <laughs> It was like the best, best episodes of my life were like Celeste being there and being ridiculous and wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. So hard. She's amazing. I thought you were going to say Two Broke Girls. I do love Two Broke Girls, but I think the problem with Two Broke Girls is like as much as I like it, I can't really in good conscience wreck it to most people. Do you know what I mean? I haven't seen it. 
Ah, okay. Well, to give you some context of, for everyone listening to this series, who, series, listening to the podcast, who hasn't watched Two Broke Girls yet, it's a half-hour sitcom, which is, like, something that breaks with what we normally watch, number one. And number two, it's a very typical half-hour sitcom in the sense that it's, like, set-up joke. Set-up joke. It's also very, very, very mean-spirited by almost everyone's approximation. Uh, I mean, like, I love the series every fiber of my being. It's intensely funny, and it reflects the sort of female friendship that I actually have, my real friends. So they can be slightly nasty to each other, but no more so than regular people are. But the problems that people have with the show are not imaginary right like they there's like some really amazing racism on that show there's some like really amazing like terrible class tension stuff there's a lot of like self-directed misogyny on that series but i mean if those things are gonna like bother you and you're gonna feel like triggered or like bother like just avoid the show right but if none of those things get to you because you're dead inside the way that i am like you should totally fucking watch the show right because two broke girls is hilarious it is hilarious it's Kat Dennings and some blonde girl whose name I can't remember, um, and who is the poorer comic slash actor of the two. But the setup is great. It's essentially, uh, Kat Dennings is like a waitress in Brooklyn who's had sort of like a rough life and doesn't really take care of herself or expect too much of herself. And just everything has been crap up to now. She thinks it's going to be crap going forward. And one day, the daughter of a financial scandal guy, like essentially Bernie Madoff's daughter, staggers into her diner and gets a job has nowhere to live and max who is our brooklynite girl's name against all of her better judgment and instincts offers caroline the spoiled girl a place to live which means that they end up being roommates best bros and like foster mothers to caroline's horse chestnut who lives in their backyard it's an amazingly wonderful show especially because the central thesis of the show is that both of them need an out right like they're both in terrible situations and the only people they can depend on at this point are themselves and each other it's not a show about like dating and boys although incidentally it does come in but in a really interesting way that you normally don't see on this um on television the main point is that they're trying to save up enough money to start a cupcake business for each other you know and it, that's why it's called two broke girls because every week they're racking up how much money they've got in their savings account for this cupcake business it's wonderful like i love it a lot and if you can if you can get over some of the issues related to it or if you're dead to them anyways it's a great show that i think everyone should give a chance if nothing else like keep a horse in the backyard he's their pet like max walks the horse in brooklyn <laughs> every morning like as you do kind of amazing if we're gonna talk about like sitcoms that normally we wouldn't watch but for some reason we are yeah i really wanted to like the new girl because i love zoe deschanel like i love her right and i decided to watch it because she's beautiful and the first episode despite being amazingly funny i was like wow this show is not very good and i watched the second episode and i was like no it's pretty garbage and i watched the third episode and i was like that is super garbage i have to stop and then i heard that in the fourth episode justin long became like a major character and so i watched it and the fourth episode was amazing like super amazing and not just because of justin long it's like they were like oh right that was the show we were intending to write this funny show and after that it's been great like every episode after justin long started amazing i watched the christmas special uh at work at my desk at lunch this past week and people came over to see what was wrong because I was laughing and crying so hard like I could not stop laughing at me I was just like howling with laughter and I was like I'm so sorry I can't it's just it's so good 
you should absolutely watch it. It's super cute. Will I be able to overcome my the way that I have conflated Zoe Deschanel with all the magical pixie girls that drive me crazy throughout film and television. This is exactly the, okay, so for like some of the first episode and most of episodes two and three, that's the problem. Like she is that stereotype. And then after that, she's not that stereotype anymore. She's like naive and she's good with emotions, but like in terms of like street smarts, it's not there. Um, Right. But like from episode four onwards, that's not a problem. Like it's great. Just don't watch the first three episodes. I'm gonna really struggle with this because like, Zoe Deschanel, completely unfairly, I recognize, has kind of been like the touchstone of all of my magical pixie girl hate, right? Like, like the marriage of like my loathing of fucking Elizabeth Town and like 500 Days of Summer is like the epic story of how much like we as a culture don't like the magical pixie girl anymore, right? Like, I am emotionally Tom Hansen and I cannot get over it. And unfortunately, Zoe Deschanel played Summer in that movie and I just have centered all of my dislike of. <laughs> this particular character growth on her. And I really don't know whether or not I'm mature enough to get over that to watch the show. Well, here's the the interesting thing. So the first episode is, I'm going to give you the basic premise, but in the first episode, she is in a cab wearing only a trench coat and maybe some sexy underwear on her way home to surprise her boyfriend who she lives with. And she wants to surprise him with like some crazy sex. And she's telling the cat, she's like on the phone with her best friend being like, I've never done this before. Like, I'm really excited. It's going to be crazy. Like I'm wearing high heels and nothing else, basically. And her best friend is like, just you know, don't, don't do anything weird. And she gets there and she's like undressing and like heading into their room because she knows he's there and she's so excited and he's in there, in their bed, fucking another girl. And she's so upset that she like packs one bag basically, goes on Craigslist and finds an ad for, which sounds like three girls who need a roommate. And she goes over to like meet them and it's three dudes. And they're like, what do you mean? It sounded like like girls. And she's like, well, I thought you were girls. Like the ad says all of these things. And it totally sounds like an ad that girls would write. And they all look at this one dude who is wearing like a cardigan over a button shirt and stuff. And he's like, what, bro? What? I have like very specific needs and, you know, it's important. <laughs> and he says all of these things. And they're like, shut up. Shut up. You're the worst. You made her think we were girls. <laughs> And he is simultaneously the douchebag of the group and the guy who is like basically a stereotype of a woman, but he's very straight and it's, it's so amazing. He's like probably my favorite character. And he starts saying all of these douchebaggy things and they're like, just stop, Schmidt, just stop. You have to put $20 in the douchebag tax jar. And they have a jar that is literally labeled douchebag tax. And he's like, fuck. He's like shoving money into the jar. But... Okay, I really need my douchebag dad. <laughs> yeah, like, they, this jar is full of money. <laughs> they really need a roommate. She desperately needs somewhere to stay. And she, like, they're like, this girl is crazy cakes, but we need it. So she moves in. And then you have, like, three episodes of garbage, right? Where it's just like, shit, no one cares. This is terrible. And in the fourth episode, she's a teacher. She's, like, a preschool teacher or something. Okay. And she is at the school for their Thanksgiving pageant. And they're, like, all the kids are in, like, turkey and yam costumes or whatever singing a song up on stage. And she's in, like, full costume as some kind of vegetable or something. And Justin Long is also backstage in, like, a giant fucking turkey costume, like, watching and, like, you know, encouraging the kids and directing them a little from backstage. Is he a teacher or is he just, like, a random pervert? He's a teacher. Messing up like a turkey. Okay. (laughs) He's a teacher at her school and she, like, thinks he's super cute because he is and she's like oh you know what are you doing for thanksgiving and he's like oh well normally i spend thanksgiving with my grandma and she's like that's great and he's like but she just died (laughs) 
And she's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know like what I'm going to do with myself because she's my only living relative and we've like spent Thanksgiving together like every year for the past like 12 years or something. Oh my God. And she's like, you should come over and have Thanksgiving with me and my friends. And he's like, really? Is that okay? And she's like, yeah. Girl has never cooked Thanksgiving dinner before, has not told her roommates that she is hosting Thanksgiving and inviting a guy over for a first date in which she cooks him Thanksgiving dinner. Like all the bad ideas. Yes. And through the process of this episode, they destroy a dryer by trying to defrost the turkey in it like a clothes dryer um schmidt the douchebag takes over cooking because he is super anal about cooking and cleanliness and the more i hear about schmidt the more i feel like i need a douchebag text jar because he might be my spiritual avatar on this show he might be like he's amazing okay i may actually have to try this out then i may have to overcome my Just reaction like watch episode four and see what you think okay also last note about it one of the roommates is this super sweet guy who like eventually she's totally gonna wind up with and there is like a beautiful really cute episode where they kind of fall in love with each other except that like she does not want that to happen she's freaked the fuck out yeah and I have to admit the whole time you were describing that episode all I could think was like why would Matt Farrell be alone for Thanksgiving shouldn't he be hanging out with John McClane yeah Rose now right but he's like the dude version of Zoe Deschanel in the show he's so cute dude version of Zoe Deschanel there are like two dude versions of Zoe Deschanel which is creepy who's the other one Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was totally dude Zoe Deschanel. Very creepy. Okay. Love it. Uh, so then we have to go with the worst list, mm-hmm. which was worst retcon. I vote Castle. Hawaii Five-0. Ooh, trading places. Castle's <laughs> retcon was actually just, like, so insulting to me as, like, a human who can follow narrative arcs. Just, I don't remember <laughs> After I was shot, which, you know what? I can roll with that. I can, I can roll with like traumatic amnesia. I'll pretend. But then you gave me that swing set scene with the talking and the wall around her feelings. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I have to pause this because I have to go throw up everything I just ate for the past month. It was some of, yeah, some of the worst writing I've seen on TV. So bad. Just why it wins worst retcon and worst season opener for you. Yeah, it was just, oh, it was so bad. And Hawaii Five-0, obviously we complained a lot about the last four episodes of the previous season of Hawaii (laughs) Five-0. And when they opened this season, they were kind of like, shit, people didn't like that for some reason. Hey, weird. (laughs) I think we can fix it. And the way that they decided to, quote, fix it was by getting rid of Rachel. We, like, never see Grace anymore. We see her, like, twice. And introducing a bunch of shit where, like, Kono gets arrested and, like... Like, it was just the first two or three episodes of this season of Hawaii Five-O where they were trying to fix whatever they had broken in the previous season almost made it worse than the previous season. I'm glad they recovered, but Jesus Christ. Just don't do whatever you just did, Hawaii Five-O. Exactly. Uh, One of the items we have on this list is called Worst Fictional Blue Balls, but that's, like, a lie because all we're referring to is the fact that we're gagging for Sherlock. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we're just dying for more Sherlock. It might as well and be... closer. We might as well rename that category, how much pain, like, worst pain waiting for Sherlock. January 1st. <laughs> it's coming out January 1st. I'm so excited. Yeah, but that's so far away. Also, let's talk, BBC. Let's talk about this. You clearly have F1 in the can. Why would you wait until literally 
four hours after I leave the United Kingdom to put that on television. They picked it like 12 hours after I fly out to put it on TV. Yeah, you're not coming to Canada. That's your punishment. If you're not coming to Canada, that is the BBC's punishment, much the way that Canada punishes me every time I try to go to England. I don't even, that doesn't even make any sense. They but like, I can't even happy. process the amount of like, karmic cruelty it takes to be like crew's been waiting for this for like a year she's like dying for it she's like prepped for it she's gonna throw a party for it and then like 12 hours after she leaves the country is when the episode is gonna run that's yeah. how that's gonna happen you motherfuckers you guys so much like i'm gonna be sitting on the plane like angrily watching hawaii 50 and thinking like if i was still in england you're gonna be, be watching Shirley. you know what you're gonna have to alternate your pain on that flight by watching like hawaii 50 resilient isles and the new girl i'm probably just gonna like watch hawaii 50 and hate it and then like cleanse my palate with resilient isles and like plot plot you know what i'll do i'll plot like two broke girls fem slash au's into resilient isles is what i'll do to like cleanse my palate as i eat like shitty airline food I would probably read those. So would I. I never write anything that I'm not secretly like, why hasn't anyone already written this before? Isn't that how all fanfiction starts? A lot of my fanfiction also starts on a dare. Yes. Or, you know, terrible presents for people that you hate but they love. I hate so much. <laughs> I hate them so much. Love it. I hate so much. You were the only reason I've ever needed to click other on the <laughs> Because I couldn't figure out whether or not cats were considered slash. <laughs> Whatever, I marked that, that as was, a close to canon AU. No, and that was like the darkest day of my life. <laughs> it was my birthday! Yay! It was beautiful. The best part about that was that um, all the people who read that story and enjoyed it, thank you guys, who were like, that's so cute! You got the cats just right! You must love cats! I hate cats. <laughs> I do not like cats at all. She just knows that I love cats. And so that was, like, purely for me. <laughs> yeah, because MK has been bothering me about writing a cat AU for any fandom. Any fandom in the world. I was mostly joking, but it was a beautiful surprise. Like, I really didn't think you would go there. It happened. I do these things for you. Um, do these things for you. I appreciate it. Better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, was there any other best or worst that we wanted to... <gasps> the Mentalist. Best amnesia in a TV show. Okay. Like, last week, Jane had amnesia. He was, like half-drowned in a pond and got amnesia and thought that he was Patrick Jane fake psychic and con man again. And he spends the whole episode right. conning the team while solving a murder and a robbery nice. at the same time. Like, it's amazing. And uh, um, amnesia is something that whenever I see it in fan fiction, I'm like, ooh, amnesia. And I click on it because I'm a terrible person and it's going to be bad like every time, but I have to click on it anyway. Only the hoyden understands my pain. And they just did it on TV and it Why was like fan fiction. Why do I like it? Yeah, like what is it about? About amnesia that is so it has like some of the elements of an au without actually being au do you know what i mean no you're making no. a weird face you're making like a spock I, face i am making spock yeah kirk i'm <laughs> spock facing you hard <laughs> everyone knows that, everyone knows that you're kirk let's be serious oh wait hold on a second why am i kirk you're the slut you're the intergalactic space slut I prefer the word trollop. <laughs> and I own a Spock dress, so. You do own a Spock dress. <laughs> also, I do fail upward more frequently than you do. Yeah. Like, through pure failure. I have, like, I, family forcing me to succeed. You just seem to, like, I, stumble I, into I, it. I don't really 
literally start like I trip ass over tea kettle. <laughs> just like what? Fall down. Oh, I'm the captain. <laughs> oh, guess that happened. You yeah. still won't date me though, so I'm still losing. Yeah, well, I'm still on Vulcan, so you're still on Vulcan. Did you know that Vulcan is actually a place in Canada? Really? Yeah, it's a real place in Canada. You Did, can look. Was it that up. name before or after the series? I don't know. Horrifying possibility that can- that was named after. Canada is basically a nation of Star Trek fans. Like, we had, until recently, until like a couple years ago, the biggest Star Trek convention, like, in North America. Have I ever told you my my LeVar Burton story? Uh, I've heard the LeVar Burton story. I think that slash, our slash reporters need to hear the LeVar Burton story. In Toronto, there is a rich part of town called Yorkville. And in Yorkville is a bar called Hemingway's. And Hemingway's does like a nice lunch, you know, it's not that expensive, it's pretty good. And one day, LeVar Burton, aka Reading Rainbow, aka Geordie LaForge, is in Hemingway's having lunch with some friends, as you do, because he lives here. And one person walks into Hemingway's and is eating lunch and is like, oh my god, that's LeVar Burton, and posts on Twitter, hey guys. LeVar Burton is eating lunch in Hemingway's in Yorkville right now. And within one hour, a horde of full-on Klingons descend on Hemingway's. (laughs) Politely, very politely. Could we have a table for two, please? In full, crazy Klingon cosplay, casually just eating lunch and watching LeVar Burton. You know, not only did like, I don't know, let's say 50 people in the general vicinity have on hand a Klingon costume, but they were all like, let's make this happen. (laughs) Canada loves Star Trek. Toronto especially loves Star Trek. Every, someone was asking me about Toronto one time and I was like, look, don't worry about it. Everyone in that city is a fucking nerd. Just basically everyone. Like. Just, like, be yourself. Get your freak on. If you live in Toronto and you don't have any nerd friends, just start talking to someone about something nerdy. I guarantee you they are also a huge nerd. Like, there's no point in hiding your shame. It's because it's so cold. There's nothing else to fucking do in Canada other than be a nerd indoors. That is a lie. All right, I think that's Amnesia plus LeVar Burton's story was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, should we move on to the question and answer portion of our show this evening? Yeah, okay. let's, let's do that. So our first question is for MK, and it's from Christina F. Um, and she wants to know, M. Klutz, do you happen to be a fan of Matsumoto Jun? I think that's pretty easy to answer, but she's like, her favorite K-drama is Nobuto Wa Produce. Though it's more of a high school show. Have you watched it? And also, she comments that she loves Goku-sen as well. Everyone should love Goku-sen. Yes. Yes, I'm a big fan of Matsujin. Uh, I basically tried to watch almost anything that he was in for a while, but I watched some things that were really bad, and then I just decided to pretend that he had only ever been in Goku-sen and Kimi wa Peto, which are the dramas that I return to frequently and just rewatch them. Um, I Those are ever safe space dramas. Right. That and, like, the Korean adaptation of Antique, Antique Bakery, which is beautiful. Or is that Taiwanese? I don't know anymore. You know, the good Antique Bakery. Yes. (laughs) The point of this is, I have not watched Nobutua Produce the end all right we'll we'll have to do a j-drama and a chinese and taiwanese drama episode at some point yeah because there's a lot of ground we didn't cover when we were just talking about k-drama crazy which is a very specific type of crazy differentiated from other asian crazy yeah we were talking last night about the upcoming korean adaptation of kimi wapeto and i was like oh i'm gonna watch it because i'm weak like that and i'm like breaking my k-drama rule but i don't know and leanne it's from- a movie so it's really like a right it's a movie so it's not a drama but leanne was like you know that that's probably going to end with someone dying of cancer and or secretly being a dog the entire time right and i was like yes well, that's- 
phase passed mostly in 2002. You know, that doesn't really make people want to watch K-dramas, right? Like, there's a reason that I don't watch K-dramas. <laughs> no, I'm fully aware. Like, there's there's a reason that people give me the side eye whenever I start talking about K-drama. But whatever, Slash Reporters, you guys were into it. Let's go into this darkness together. Um, next question is from Literary Coffee, and it's a question for both of us. Question regarding kink memes. Do you think their popularity is due to authors wanting to write what they know people want or something else? What do you think, MK? For me, it's like short, quick fixes of possibly all my favorite things when nothing big is updating. Like, my favorite stories are probably the really long ones that, I don't know, like drastically redefining protocol. Like, you take a simple premise and you make it something huge and amazing. But a lot of the time I don't get that from long stories or even medium or short length stories. You know what I do get? I can go on the kink meme and be like, oh, all I really want is like a story where Mike is uh, hired by Harvey, not as a student lawyer, but as, you know, some grab ass with a side of domestic cleaning. And that'll happen. You can find that on the kink meme. Judging you so hard. Um, that's from that's from a reader point of view, I think. From an author point of view, from like a writer point of view, I think kink memes are very, very valuable to writers on two levels. Number one, if you're just starting out, I think it's really helpful to have a prompt, right? It's almost like being in a creative writing class where there's like a prompt and like there's a pretty quick turnaround expected. You get a quick hit and then you get immediate feedback if you've done well, which can encourage you to do better. I think for some writers, they like having the prompt, even if they are not new, to sort of begin working on a story idea. Like, I've done two kink meme fills at this point. I don't know. I think that I the, the prompts were fun. Like, they inspired you. But you should never limit yourself exclusively to the prompt, right? Like, I basically, like, fucked up and or inverted both prompts that I took. But I think that I did okay, ultimately, with the stories. And it was fun. They were fun to write, you know? So I think that it's not necessarily due to wanting to write something that people want, right? Because that, that takes a sort of cynical view where you have like a guaranteed readership in there. I think a lot of writers like the kink meme because it's a good place to get ideas for things and also like a good place to practice your writing, you know? Um, and if some people are going into it thinking like, okay, well, at least one person will definitely read this and like this, shoot higher. You'll probably, you'll probably make more than one person happy if you decide to fill in a prompt. Totally. That's the way that I look at it. Yeah. The, the number of prompts that I am tracking on any kink meme is obnoxious. I don't even remember I, them anymore. Sometimes I just get an email and I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. Shocker. Yeah. I don't actually track kink meme. I don't actually track kink meme because I can't handle like the volume of email that it generates. I, I get too much email to begin with. Um, and I can't handle how much email like the kink memes generate. So I don't actually track anything. I've just started making the hoyden track stuff for me. So, like, I will randomly get emails being, like, Charles is a bird has updated. And I'll be, like, click. You know, it's <laughs> terrible. She's, like, my personal concierge service for, like, crazy. Yes, there's a story where Charles is a bird. It's cute as hell. I hate you both. Um, I definitely have strong feelings about... Kestrel. I'm going to wreck that when it's done, guys. Oh. I definitely have strong feelings about... I have this, like, ideal of kink meme etiquette that would probably get me banned from fandom. But I know, you know, some people would agree with me. And I can never say it because everyone would hate me but definitely people are thinking they're all thinking it not all of them but a lot of them but you know i a lot of the time i get the first hit on someone is filling this and then i just unsubscribe and occasionally i go back to that email yeah 
probably the safest way to do it. I just actually have like a bookmarks folder of the stories that I like and I just check on them occasionally. Okay, so our next couple of questions are all fandom and friend related. Interesting. I can't tell if we're playing Agony Ant this week. So the first one from Shu is, anyway, as a fan who is always the one in the audience screaming, I love yous and take my first borns and never the person on stage, I think that popular people on the internet artists and fan fiction writers or even the mysterious bnfs what does that even mean stands for big name fan no we don't like that term here aren't obligated to become friends with everyone they meet or anyone who throws themselves at them oh and there's always that weird thing where skilled and popular people are friends with other skilled and popular people so i guess my question or a topic that would be really cool if you discussed it would be about how people in fandom make friends and particularly how people who have a lot of attention make friends i always find this really weird i do too i'm gonna make you answer this since this just makes me slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's valid. It makes me a little uncomfortable too. Okay, so here's the thing. My policy on friending people in fandom is exactly the same as my policy of becoming friends with people in real life. If I strike up a conversation with someone or I see that like they're doing something really cool, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I want to like talk to you about it. I just talk to them about it. So like the whole reason that Prue and I started talking is because I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. You might also like or let's discuss this. And it's I don't like you're never obligated to become friends with anyone or everyone which would be horrifying like I have face blindness and trouble remembering people's names that would <laughs> I am a bad friend <laughs> guys this is the best the second time MK ever came to stay with me in London the best was when I came home from work one day <laughs> just walking down the street toward me and I like see her from like, I don't know, I would say like five or six yards away and I start waving and she gives me like the most dubious sketched out look ever. Like straight up, like straight up nervous, like nervous squirrel look <laughs> braced for like sexual predator until like I get closer and I'm like, oh, right. She's face blind. I'm like, Emily, it's me. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, if you want to be friends with someone, just start talking to them. Sometimes I just leave comments on people's blogs, like responding to their posts. And essentially that is how you become friends with people. And if you don't become friends after that, it doesn't matter. Right. And I also think that this kind of goes to the whole issue of like, you said it before, but like no one is obligated to be your friend. Not everyone gets along with everybody, you know, like it's not. There are loads of people I, I, that can't stand. That's like, exactly. they probably can't stand it, me. It, right. I don't, I don't even know. Like, also, I find the idea of obligated friendship to be really offensive. Right. Like, just because someone's work is popular or someone is well liked in fandom doesn't mean they have an obligation to be nice to everyone. I think is something that a lot of people forget. And there's like, there's like, a, there's like an uncomfortable layer of entitlement there from the point of view of the person trying to get the attention of somebody else, right? Like, nobody owes you that. I'm sorry. That's going to like get me a lot of ire from a lot of people. I'm not obligated to like, anybody else come on guys don't be a dick in conclusion Shu, we agree with you like no one is obligated on any level to be friends with other people but in terms of how to make friends just just strike make, up a conversation don't just try to make friends with people who you think are like super amazing producers of fandom work or whatever talk to people who you like you know like whoever drew that really awesome picture could be a total jackass like whoever wrote that awesome story you like could be a dick you don't have to be friends with those people you should be friends with actual people you like Totally. Orson Scott Card, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Love your books. Hate you. Fucking Lewis Carroll, you're a dick. I never should have gone to that party with that guy. 
<laughs> all sorts in that category all sorts <laughs> all sorts uh who else there are tons of people like that but this is a terrible thing yeah. to say right after she died but Anne McCaffrey what a douchebag totally Anne Rice what a dick wait I have a question that I'm gonna throw out there for the slash reporters maybe someone can answer this for me don't take this the wrong way <laughs> Who was already like hiding her face for a Twitter account already? I really liked Anne McCaffrey's books, but she had a policy of like no fan fiction about Pern. Now that she's dead, is that lifted? I just I need to know. Let's move on. Do you see this? This is a horrified cricket face. Like I just accidentally cracked a knuckle looking at that face. Yeah, that's how intense face was. I've never cracked a knuckle before. I don't like it. Okay, are you sure you just cracked a knuckle and didn't break something? No, I've definitely broken a lot of bone. Well, not a lot, but I've broken a finger before and it's not the same. Okay, because with you, I can never tell. I can bend it, so we're good. The amazing secret lives of Prue and <laughs> Should not be left alone. No, we should. But anyways, sure, we agree with you. I think that making friends way less complicated. Just treat it like everything else. You know, you find someone cool, say hi to them. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Moving right along. The second question is from Love the Boys who also submitted us our fandom safari for the week, which is going to be for Toy Soldiers fandom. Her question is, do you think fangirls, and possibly more specific slashers, are born to be or just sort of get hit with the fandom stick at the right moment? I've tried to get others into fandom and utterly failed, even with people it feels like I share a brain with, which I think is a really interesting question. I would say that everyone has the potential to be like a crazy slasher. Everyone. Do you really think that? Yeah. I think that most people just don't think about it. Like, if I had not been in Sailor Moon fandom, I probably would not be in any other fandom. If I hadn't, like, discovered fan fiction by accident, this wouldn't be happening right now. See, but at the same time, like, you and I both know people who are fandom aware, right? Mm-hmm. Who know about fandom and are actually tangentially related to fandom. Yep. Like, my college roommate is one of these people who, like, on unfortunately had to live with me and like make sure that I was fed and watered when I was like writing 24 hours a day in between classes. He was like fully aware of fandom, like it is somewhat tangentially related, but like completely disengaged for the most part. Like for some reason it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to hook her. I definitely think you need the right show at the right time. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I think they have to get you young. I think you're less likely to be super obsessed with this shit if it happens when you're older. So yeah, I think it has to happen like when you're prepubescent. I think that is the ideal time. Hit you then, you're there for life. You're screwed. At the same time, I do think that, I I mean, I guess my answer to this question, love the boys, is that I think that some people are financially inclined and others aren't, right? Like, and you're more likely to be financially inclined if you get exposed to the culture early. But I think that some people just really aren't interested. You know, some people finish their interest in something at the source material. Like, I actually know someone, like I have a friend, actually hates remix culture, hates anything related related to like she hates the pride and prejudice sequels that people have written which like she doesn't hate them because of their content or the quality of the writing she hates that they exist she thinks that they shouldn't exist and that people shouldn't expand on the original product which obviously said as someone who's like no creative bones in her but i like people like that do exist and i think that like not every personality is suited to fandom so it could just be that your friends are not fanishly inclined could be if you live in toronto just go talk to strangers yeah don't do that actually they'll just think you're crazy They'll probably try to give you directions to the ROM. Yeah, they'll think you're crazy. But that's why you have the computer. That's why you have us. Yeah, that's what we're here for. (laughs) To make you feel not alone wherever you are. Lost in the middle wilds of fangirlishness with no other compatriots to go see shitty fandom movies with you. That's terrifying. (laughs) I know, it's so bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) Post-fandom apocalypse AU. No, now it's real. Why would you say that? 
I'm a terrible person. Just rule 34. I hate you. Okay, moving on. Next question is from Foolish Mortal. One topic I would love to hear discussed is small fandoms. A lot of my friends on LiveJournal are involved in the LJ Small Fandom Fest run by Spike Love, and the dynamic in these communities is so different. I primarily write for small fandoms and find large fandoms lonely. It seems so contradictory, but small fandom writing is an addiction. It can be very rewarding. Well, as someone who has written for both small and big fandoms, like my smallest fandom is probably McDonald Hall, right? Like there may be 30 people actually actively in Gordon Corman fandom. And then like my biggest fandom was obviously like SGA, fucking like everyone on the globe was an SGA fandom. I haven't noticed like a big difference in my experience with those fandoms, except for the volume of thick and creative material that comes out of it. Like in terms of how people interact with one another, I, I find them fairly similar, but maybe that's just the way I interact with fandoms. Since I generally speaking, I don't like really interact with communities and stuff i'm just like a hermit mm. i go into a corner and i write stories and post them and that's about all i do in fandom my smallest fandom was probably either goku sen or diana win jones and my biggest would mm. of course be sga but I found that, so in Gokusen fandom, I knew everybody. I knew exactly what was going on in like all corners of the fandom at all times. And I talked to people way more. Whereas in SGA, I talked to very few people, but all the time, like just constantly. Diana Wynn Jones fandom, I don't talk to anybody. Very occasionally, I post fic and people reply. And otherwise, I have like nothing to, like almost zero participation. That's how I am with every fandom. <laughs> it's like being you. Yeah. But like in Gokusen fandom, I would talk to everyone, but just a little little bit. Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe it depends on your personal interaction patterns with fandom because everybody approaches different fandoms differently or approaches their fanish experience differently. And if you are a hermit at heart the way that I am, you're necessarily going to have a different one with every fandom regardless of size. Or like MK, like you could have like a different experience with different fandoms just because of the makeup of the people in it, I guess. Totally. Although I have to say like I I would I would have to imagine that like a small fandom in a weird way feels less lonely, right? Because you have to be more actively engage with the people who are there unless you're a lurker yes well they're yeah like, that's true that's i don't know they're like the dark matter of fandom they make up <laughs> are like they really there well no you know that they make up like a, a majority of the mass but you can't find yes. them because they're lurking <laughs> it's a problem <laughs> nice a double plus somewhere out there rodney mckay just popped a boner and he doesn't even know why good job He's my homeboy. I should never say that How again. How you like to roll? <laughs> no, you're stunning. That was... <laughs> Thanks for that, MK. You're Second welcome. Second half of Foolish Mortals question is, here's a question for anyone on the team to answer. What fandom taught you the most as a writer, and how did it help you grow? Oh, God. MK's just laughing, like silently cracking up in Toronto right now. I'm, like, so worried about what's about to come out of her mouth. <laughs> so obviously, I, obviously, I haven't posted fan fiction in a couple of years now. <laughs> I've been writing it; I just haven't posted it or not posted it publicly. Oh, this is gonna be so shameful. <laughs> I learned a lot of like the basics of writing in Sailor Moon fandom. My shit was terrible. Do not go look that up. It is some of the worst writing you will ever find. But I did learn. Just look up MK Sailor Moon. Don't fan don't do that. I did learn like static <laughs> reading of your Sailor Moon fanfic on the slash report. No, I should have used. What if I do the voices? No, it's what really it bad. It's, <laughs> it's like really bad. But I did learn a lot. Like I went from like so bad that I can't even look at it to so bad that I just want to burn it with fire. And just like a right. step up. In Goku-san, I learned to write more, like longer stuff, which I had never done before because I wrote 30,000 words of Yankumi and Shin, essentially. Which is really hard for me. I'm not like a person who writes long things. And it's really hard for me to finish things. Anyone who's read my stuff probably hates me because I never finish anything. Thing. And in SGA, I think I like settled into a groove. SGA in house and became like.
like an actual like, yeah, I can go back and read that and it's not terrible. <laughs> and we'll see what happens if I ever post Suits fic, if it ever gets finished. How that, yeah. Well, it'll, it'll have the Hoyden and the seal approval, so <laughs> at least you know, will like it. That's two people. Check. Check. <laughs> nice. I find this question actually really difficult to answer because I feel like my improvement as a writer was so incremental and so fucking slow that like if you would ask me at any point in my progression as a writer like I would avow that I sucked like I would just like be convinced that it was absolute garbage up until some nebulous point in late SGA where I'm like well I guess this isn't total garbage maybe like 90% garbage and at this point I feel pretty good about the stuff that I write right like I'm not everything is great like sometimes I just write stuff because it needs to get written I don't know that's really hard to say I would say that like my once upon a time writing in x-files that started off in wide ruled notebooks hand done that was like me as a Mary Sue character was obviously like so bad it's burnable except that it's in my parents attic so it's inaccessible to me now and then there were like my shitty Rama one half stories which were also shitty it's, it's really hard to say because I feel like it's if you are the best way to improve as a writer is to be constantly writing and constantly reading and if you're constantly writing and constantly reading that means you have such a continuity of work it's very difficult to pinpoint one that was the turning point between you being pretty bad to less bad to less bad to pretty good to pretty good to very good right like those are all such tiny little shifts and every story is going to betray a little bit of growth and I would find it really really difficult to say which fandom taught me the most or how it particularly changed the way that I work I would say that I no, I can't even say that because I started trying to write epics very young and it never really like I never really got I never really got a hang of it until I got older. And I couldn't say that what my first story that was super long that was great was, right? Yeah. So I mean it should just be like a continuity, right? Like every single thing you write, it will be better than the last thing you wrote. You can so hope so. It doesn't anyway. matter what pardon? You can hope so anyway. I've definitely written some terrible things. If you take a big break from writing, sometimes when you come back it's bad, just so you know. Well, that's why you need lube. Um, lube and lots of stretching. Lube, stretching, preparatory work, maybe a couple toys. Just like brace yourself, get back into the A little bit of a BJ. You know, warm them up. (laughs) Warm who up? (laughs) Okay. Mike, warm Mike up. Let's continue. But yeah, I guess that's my completely unsatisfactory answer. Foolish mortal. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's what you get for being a foolish mortal. That's oh, so true. So true. And then we have a strong like ox entry. Yes. One of our worst slash favorite parts of any slash report recording. First one is, is from Bikichi. Here's her bad fake entry. 15,000 words, nodding, self-lubricating ass, and red swollen puffy hole. I had never read a nodding thick before i didn't <laughs> check the word thoroughly and then like a crying face which i think says it all um, that's that's a really good entry <laughs> i don't wait mm. but it gets better she adds a note at the end of this which i thought was better than her actual strong like ox entry right i'm just gonna read it to you because i don't know how to express it okay she recently read a scat fic except it was by like an author that she liked so she was like i'm going to give it a try uh first part dealt with the aftermath and entirely from the point of view of the partner uninterested in the kink and it was full of feelings and so oddly beautiful and incredibly touching that I strongly she she actually types the words SLO'd like <laughs> never before and read part two which with what I consider explicit scat such as chocolate ice cream or peanut butter as a descriptor ew yeah that's not the, okay. like, the beautiful thing is she goes on to say I almost failed out 
sorry. Did you not fail out? Why did you keep going? How did you like? That's like some hoiden levels of strong, like ox. Like, yes. How did you, like you're not an ox. You're like a water buffalo. Like what the fuck happened? Strong what like water buffalo. Powers do you have that like keep going? How did you only almost fail out of that? Oh God. <laughs> Oh. Wait, and it gets last line of this even better. And yet, I can't really put this in as a bad pick because the feelings of the non scat kink partner were so beautifully touching, even amidst, well, all the shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, you, I just want you to know that I opened this email when I was at work. Which meant that I was sitting there, pervert laughing to myself in the corner over a poop sex email at the office. Oh, okay. Wait, Bikichi, I just, it's, it's okay to ask for help. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. <laughs> And also, you should know that you are an extremely strong contender for runner-up to this award. Not for your actual entry, but just for the dope that you put into your email. I also need you to know that despite you saying that you couldn't put it as a bad fic entry, it probably would have won if it were your real bad fic entry. Like, that's how bad it is. I don't care how good the feelings were in part one. (laughs) Really sorry. I'm like tears are literally on my face. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm at home right now. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for everyone listening to this in public. I was gonna say, if you're like on the bus or walking or something, really sorry. <laughs> just just find a bathroom and hide. <laughs> yeah. Be- like better not to let anyone else see this going down. Yeah. All right, then but our actual winner for this year, this like inaugural year of Strong Like Ox Awards, which like struck both of us absolutely silent with horror it's... as soon as we saw this comment. It's so <laughs> simple and yet there's so much in it. <laughs> so bad. To preface this, I'm going to say your name wrong because it's like eighteen thousand letters long. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing. Um, Mimbulus Mimbulatonia said, Though read only once ten years ago, I am still haunted by the incredibly graphic description of two men expressing their sexual lust with a fish in a threesome. And no, they were not mermen. As I told MK when she originally pointed this out to me, does it make it better if they're mermen? Well, then it's only like half bestiality, right? Is it like a quarter since mermen are half fish? Oh god, I, I don't, don't know. We would need I like a biologist to answer this question it doesn't matter like the point is how do you like here's the real reason why this won right and why this is such a pernicious entry oh. because it, for the next three days mk and i sat around trying to figure out how how did you use a fish sexually to express love to one another how? not love sexual lust okay how (laughs) i can't like i can never stop thinking about this ever again i think we got this on like a wednesday or something and it was like wednesday thursday friday saturday just us sitting around being like okay but how How? and then being like i never want to know i don't want to know i don't want the details but how and you like you guys i hate fish so much. Prue is basically Grant Imahara, just for everyone listening. Yeah, and for three days, all I thought was thought about was fish sex. That's all I thought about was how to have sex with fish. Cold, (laughs) slimy fish sex. Oh, God. 
So Slash Reporter, I salute you for that. And MK and I will probably be emailing you something regarding this. I don't know what it is yet, but yeah, eventually. It is winter break, so it might be delayed. It might be a little delayed, but I, I promise you we'll make you something hideous enough to, to equal the tragedy of your having read that and the scars that are still deep in my cortex regarding this. I did once ah! make, I made Lupicus a birthday card once, which was a picture of Zachary Quinto angrily riding a unicorn. I also, whoa, she has like a thing about that, because she made me draw her a picture of Spock riding a unicorn. Oh, I wonder which came first. I think maybe this is like a sexual thing for Lupicus. Ooh, Lepagus. That's just filthy. That's Unicorns are pure. Also so illegal, like in every state now, even Washington. Don't shoot the unicorn. Also don't fuck it. Okay. Uh, okay, so now we've come to the portion of our show where we do our fandom safari. And this week is Love the Boys giving us her quick pitch on Toy Soldiers fandom. Ready? One, two, three, go. Hello, fellow slash reporters. Um, my... Online name is Love the Boys, and I'm pretty much a lurker in everything I do except occasional comments. So, yeah, here's my attempt at a fandom safari. Okay, so this is my fandom safari, and I am doing a movie called Toy Soldiers. Um, so first off, my relationship with Toy Soldiers started when I was 12, and one of my friends told me there was this movie I should totally watch. Her family had taped it off TV, and she loved it and thought I would too. So we watched it, I did indeed love it, and after a couple more viewings, I almost completely forgot about it. Fast forward to my rediscovering the movie, sometime in the early 2000s, and going, huh, that's kind of hot, I wonder if there's fic. And googling, and ta-da, I found the one and only LJ communicate community dedicated to toy soldiers, which I'll get to in a moment. Also, for those who think I should warn for spoilers for a movie that came out in 1991, spoiler alert. So here we go. Once upon a time, there was a school somewhere on the eastern seaboard called Regis. It was a boarding school for boys, and everyone not so secretly called it the Reject School because a lot of its student body had been kicked out of other institutions. Enter Billy Tepper, played by a young and wild-haired Sean Astin, who has been kicked out of at least three other schools, mostly because of his awesome pranks. He pals around school with his roommate Joey Trotta, played by Will Wheaton, who is the son of a mafia don. Billy is a born leader and prankster, and Joey is moody, artistic, and angry. The two are very close. They also let some other guys hang around with him, Hank, Rick, Snuffy, and a their other roommate, Phil, who is gone in the first 15 minutes of film. All of them are sons of huge muckety-mucks and all have a huge problem with authority, which is bad because the school is about to be taken over by terrorists. So now these boys team up, first to get information on the terrorists to aid the rescue parties, then to plan the escape for the whole school when everything goes foobard. Now, Toy Soldiers is not for everyone, because here come the spoiler alerts people, this story does not have a happy ending. In a fit of temper, Joey steals a machine gun from one of the terrorists and is gunned down in front of his friends. It's all very upsetting and poignant and makes for the only tragic ship I've ever liked, because it's just that good. The scene where our boys are mourning their fallen comrade is so moving I have trouble watching it sometimes. In the end, though, everyone else survives and the movie ends in a triumphant swell of music. Now, the fandom. The fandom is amazing, tiny, really tiny, and mighty. Most of the stories are pre-canon with lots of so-sweet falling in love, boarding school shenanigans, dark foreshadowing, friendship, and angst. 
Sadly, there's only been one series of short stories that do the what if Joey lived thing. If you love good, poignant tragedy with a good helping of literary, beautiful boarding school boy smut, please come join us at Billy Joey slash on LJ. Also, for much better write-ups than I've given, check out the Ship Manifesto and Crack Fan Summaries on LJ. Wow. Um, the wow. time. What is Monda? Yeah, it's 1 minute 42.6 seconds. Okay, oh. but I have to tell you guys that as we were listening to that, that was the first time we'd listened to Fandom Safari. And if only you could see our faces. Just like freaking as she went out. Through that. I think midway through, we were both like mouthing, we have to watch this fucking movie. And then I heard it was tragic. And I was like, I don't know if I'm strong enough. Like collectively, we were like, no, that's so sad. We're, we may have to watch this movie together, okay? I think that's going to have to happen the next time you're here or I'm there. Like, I can't, like, skip a movie that has boarding school shenanigans. Yeah. Like, I'm almost required by law to see that movie. And terrorists, like, taking over a boarding school. Yeah, and tragedy. I love sadness. Also, Will Wheaton and Sean Astin. Yeah, but Will Wheaton as a mafia Don's son. What the fuck? How have we never heard of this movie before? I don't know, but yeah, we are obligated, I believe, to watch it. That's happening. That's happening. That's totally happening. Well done, love the boys. Well done indeed. We saw this entry, we were like, what the actual fuck is Toy Fault Soldiers? Yeah. Oh. You've come to two of us. You have. That's, you've already succeeded. Look at you. A plus. And I think that wraps us up because MK and I both obviously have to go catch up on like a lot of bad TV and 90s movies that we somehow missed. Clearly. But before we go for the year, we wanted to do a special shout out to our slash reporter of the week we actually this is not really slash reporter of the week but slash reporter of the near recent history because when i got this tweet i nearly shot myself i laughed so hard <laughs> so to you five good gears this is the best tweet we've ever got awkward moments getting pulled over in small town texas and realizing as cop walks up that slash reports smutisode is playing full blast a fucking plus five good gears yeah a plus plus <laughs> yeah and if you would like to give us some follow-up on how that went down we would love to hear it love it <laughs> oh my god just like blue ribbon fangirl behavior right there that is that's how you know you've succeeded uh and yes. failed simultaneously <laughs> you, you succeeded so hard you came all the way back around to failure <laughs> that's exactly what it is it only happens but to guys, the best of us I know. Only the very special and powerful can reach that level of success. <laughs> but guys, thank you for making it an absolutely amazing first year of Slash Report. I think we can both say that we were completely surprised and thrilled by how well this has been going so far. Yeah. And, you know, we'll be back in February. Yeah. Back in February. Stop screaming. That's sooner than, that's sooner than Sherlock came back. Yeah. Sherlock took forever. We're just taking a brief hiatus. And then yes. season two. See With all then. sorts of new fanish thoughts and feelings. Don't worry, our first episode will probably be about Sherlock. So <laughs> that's coming down the pike. But yeah, so guys, it was fun. Have a great holiday season. Don't get drunk and do something you regret. You can do something that crew would do. Yeah, you know, try to keep it moderately failing upwards. Yes. Have lots of fun. Read lots of fic. Be strong like an ox. Challenge accept all that you can challenge accept. And we'll see you in February. Bye! Bye-bye! Wait, I also want a handkerchief. Yeah, see, we, we're not prepped. We're out of practice.
practice. That's what's I've happened here. So hard. Be gentle. It's been a while. Oh my god! You're welcome. Hi, Watson. Do you want me to throw this? Ew, it's wet. Ew. <laughs> Ew. I can see right into her bedroom, guys. It's it's super sexy, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah. It's so 14-year-old princess. <laughs> Either that or like weird porn cam. Whoa, whoa, what what about my like Louis the 14th style French furniture is porn cam? All I can see is an Asian lady with some twinkle lights, so <laughs>